Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia. Now the show has two very distinct types of episodes. The first are our deep dive interviews with leading guitarists and guitar figures from all around the world. And the other type of show I produce is the Iconic Albums series. And for that I am joined by my friends Rob Rhodes and Gabor Jessica, two professional musicians that are just a great hang and we talk about some of the most influential guitar records in our collection. Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, the ex-head of guitar at the world-famous Guitar Institute of Technology in LA and the McNally Smith College of Music. Not only is Joe a world-class educator, he's a fantastic guitar player. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Alright, Iconic Albums number 15. I'm joined by my friends Rob Rhodes. Hello. And Gabor Jessica. Hey, hey. And we talk about Iconic Guitar Records. Gabor, it's your turn this week. What have you brought for us? I brought uh, what I consider a real feel-good album to me. It's a feel-good album. Uh, It's uh, Sky Blue Sky by Wilco. And now, um, that was released on May 15th, 2007. It was their sixth studio album, uh, recorded by TJ Doherty in uh, Wilco's own studio called the Wilco Loft. Now, uh, if you get a chance to, uh, on Instagram, check out uh, The Loft Chicago. So, uh, all one word, The Loft Chicago. It's the official Wilco Loft Instagram page. The gear is insane. If you're a gear nerd (laughs) and you like old vintage cool looking gear really well uh, um, like um, photographed and stuff uh, it's insane they also have a um, Instagram page called fonts of the loft so it's fonts underscore off underscore the underscore loft which just shows all the um, and a lot of them are really cool sort of art deco logos of all the vintage gear oh nice it's guitars keyboards organs you name it right and then they have another page called Loft Relic Guitar Straps, with all underscores in between as well. Uh, they make uh, um, one-off uh, guitar straps out of old things that you can buy. Anyway, just that is cool. like a little fun fact. But yeah, the Wilco Loft. So it's there. Basically, they bought after um, a couple of albums prior, they bought uh, an old studio in, in Chicago called The Loft, and renamed it the Wilco Loft, and that's basically where they um, they keep all their gear. They record recorded everything there since. You can uh, they also sleep there and live there while they record. Um, so yeah, it's pretty nice. cool. Check out cool. that um, Instagram stuff. So um, I re- I really like this album. I picked this album. Um, it was the first album that I got into uh, um, with Wilco. Uh, it was also the first album that featured the full current lineup of Vilco. So there's been many, many, many changes prior. There were different guitar players, different drummers. I think the only two original guys are the singer, the main singer, Jeff Tweedy, and the bass player. <clears throat> Everyone else is uh, different. But uh, So that album, Sky Blue Sky, was, uh, it featured the current full lineup, and it's been since 2007, so they've been doing it for a while, which introduced uh, Nels Klein on guitar, who's one of my ultimate guitar heroes, i got to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And also Pat Sansone, uh, who's a, a like multi-instrumentalist who plays guitar and keyboards uh, on a lot of the albums. So they joined for that album. Um, it was an album that uh, just prior to that album, um, well, the previous album, Ghost in the Machine, uh, not Ghost in the Machine, that's the police. Ghost <laughs> is back. Born. Wrong, wrong Ghost. <laughs> uh, ghost is Born. Uh, won them a Grammy. Uh, and for best alternative album, they became quite a big band, especially in America. Um, but <clears throat> between a Ghost Is Born and 
um, Sky Blue Sky, uh, Jeff Tweedy, the main guy, basically the singer, songwriter, uh, guitar player, uh, went into rehab. Um, he was struggling all his life with uh, migraines and started getting uh, prescription medication from a young age to help him with the migraines and got hooked on that. Um, and he wanted to get rid of that, basically, the the constantly being on drugs kind of thing. So he went on a sort of lengthy stint in rehab to get rid of that um, prescription addiction. And he also stopped smoking, which he said in some interviews was almost worse than trying to give up the, <laughs> the prescription painkillers. Um, so when it came to recording that album, he was, he was quite afraid. He was uh, a bit worried about can he still write uh, music without being in that sort of drug-induced state? Um, uh, and he also wanted to kind of, the way he felt and how his whole life was, he wanted to kind of go into a slightly different direction. Because if you listen to the previous albums, they're very alternative albums. Uh, it is sort of, you know, not as folky as this album. This album's mm. quite folky. And so um, he basically, he wanted a, a more stripped-down album less experimental um, than the, especially the two prior albums, which were quite big for them. Uh, one was uh, called, uh, where is it? Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and A Ghost Is Born, uh, which, you know, saw them get uh, quite a lot of uh, record sales and, you know, do big tours and stuff like that. So he wanted something really stripped down. Uh, he wanted to record the way his heroes, like bands like the Beatles and Beach Boys and Rolling Stones recorded, where they were all in a room together as they were recording with minimal overdubs, um, pretty much just recording, working the arrangement out as a band, performing the arrangement as a band, and then doing very small overdubs later on. Uh, and he also lyrically, he wanted it to be a much more direct album, so less riddles and metaphors, very di direct lyrically. So complete departure. <clears throat> and... He also wanted more involvement from the other guys in the band because up until then he was basically the main songwriter. Uh, he came in with finished songs and then there was just production put on top of it. But the, the song, he was the main guy and he wanted to share it more with the band. <clears throat> so uh, uh, more collaborations, um, um, sort of now, especially having Nels Klein in the band as well, who's done quite a lot of work in the past as well prior to joining Wilco. He wanted them to be more, you know, part of the songwriting process. Um, so they recorded in the loft. They all kind of stayed there while they were recording it. It was a fairly quick recording process. Uh, the songs, usually they recorded them in a day. So they sat down together, worked out the songs, worked out the arrangements, uh, ran through them a bunch of times, recorded it live, did a couple of overdubs, done. Uh, so That's the recording cool. process was fairly quickly... It was a fairly quick recording process. Um, there's a really interesting video, actually. Um, it, uh, I have the, I bought the CD. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an old file to buy CDs, but I have the CD of it, and I've got the deluxe version, uh, which has a DVD on it as well. But the DVD, you can watch it on YouTube as well. It's called Shake It Off. Um, and it's basically them in the Wilkerloft talking about the recording and talking about the songwriting and talking about the album. So it's quite an interesting watch, actually, to watch that. If you want to find out more about why he wrote ly certain lyrics and all that sort of stuff and, and see them in that, that building and, you know, and playing some of the songs live. Now, um, that's basically sort of the background of the album. Now, have you guys ever heard of Wilco before I mentioned this, or have you ever really listened to Wilco or Nels Klein for that matter, before I mentioned this for this? I, I Either, knew, it, yeah, I knew Nels Klein more from his solo stuff and um, some of the ex more experimental yeah. um, collaborations that he's done, yeah. uh, which is really super cool and, and noisy. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I knew a little bit of Yankee Hotel Foxshot, which I think you said was sort of like quite a, a big sounding record and it had yeah. a big commercial success but really I, I don't know much Wilco at all um, okay that I've just explained it in two paragraphs um, <laughs> but I so enjoyed this record so it's, a, so it's such a feel good it. album isn't it yeah. it's such a great pretty album what about you Rob um, no so this is 2007 I was living in Clavelli at the time yeah man. Uh, 
I was kind of in original world at that time as well, playing like a lot of original gigs around town. Um, and I was, it's weird at that time The I tried to go back and cause I remember seeing Wilco. I was, I'm still am a big Conan O'Brien fan and yeah. they always tended to be on late night with Conan. And I think they also went on Letterman yeah. uh, semi-regularly too. Cause you know, David's pretty much in touch with what was going on all the time. Yeah. But at that time I was listening to John Mayer's Continuum, The Evolution of Robin Thicke, Dixie Chicks That's record, cool yeah. um, uh, even Keith Urban, the record that year, uh, Maroon 5, Velvet Revolver, Prince had two records within a year of one another and Silverchair had Young Modern. So there was so much music happening that that kind of – um, roots-based kind of American alt-country thing wasn't really piercing through yeah. to, to the channels that I was switched into. Uh, so apart from those odd um, appearances on Conan, I, I knew Wilco existed, uh, yeah. but they definitely weren't, you know, they weren't a part of my world at that time. So, yeah, not a lot of... Not a lot of background or experience with this band at all. Yeah, see, I, I got into Wilco like like Matt. I've, 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 I was a big Nels Klein fan. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of um, a guy called John Zorn. I don't know if I mentioned him before. He's a, like a New York downtown improvisational like. He's sort of one of the greats of, of that sort of thing. And if you get into John Zorn catalog, it's just hundreds and hundreds of albums he wrote. But anyway, that's a whole different story. <clears throat> but I kind of through that kind of improvisational world, I got into Nels Klein. Actually, and it's if you, if you ever get a chance, have you ever heard of a thing called Stained Radiance? No. So that's Nels Klein on guitar, and this guy Norton Wisdom. He's an artist, and basically he has this canvas. I don't know exactly how it works, but it's sort of backlit canvas, and he paints live while Nels Klein plays guitar and oh, they kind of influence cool, each man. other. That's awesome. Um, so the, the music influences the painting and then what he paints influences the music and it's sort of all improvised, improvised painting, improvised um, music. If you ever get a chance, there's tons of stuff on YouTube, Stained Radiance, check it out. It's, okay. it's really, 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 it's trippy, but it's really, really interesting stuff. So I, I kind of got into that and then he also has a... Um, it, they're called the Nels Klein Singers, which is funny because no one sings in it. It's, it's all instrumental music. Yeah, I know that one. <laughs> but um, uh, I got into that through uh, uh, Trevor Dunn, who was the bass player in Mr. Bungle, played bass a little bit with Nels Klein as well and all that sort of stuff. So I kind of got into it through that. It's funny. I, I, um, I, I love jazz masters, right? That's sort of one of my favorite types yeah. of guitars, offset guitars, jazz master guitars. And I bought, it was either in late 2008 or early 2009, I bought um, uh, an Elvis Costello signature Jazzmaster. That was my first Jazzmaster, right? Which kind of came, it was around 2008 was released. And I think it was either late 2008, early 2009, I bought it. <clears throat> in late 2008, Fender put on the 50th anniversary Jazzmaster concert. So uh, Fender actually put on a concert and uh, Thurston Moore and Lee, Lee Ronaldo from um, Sonic Youth played there and mm-hmm. um, Tom Verlaine from television and stuff like that played there uh, and Jay Maskis, you know, they had all these guys. Yeah, and cool. amongst all that, um, Stained Radiance, so um, Nels Klein and Norton Wisdom um, were on that. And I remember watching it and I remember them mentioning, right, oh, Nels Klein recently joined Wilco, you know, and blah, 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 blah. So it was sort of always in the back of my head. <clears throat> And I kind of thought, oh, I should really check out Wilco, and, but I never did. And then I used to do this thing, and I don't know if anyone else used to do this thing, but I used to go to record shops or CD shops um, back in the days, in the good old days. And I used to just, without looking where I was, what's happening, just aimlessly walk around and find album covers that look interesting and yeah. just buy it, not knowing really what it is. And I remember it was not long after I listened to that um, Fender concert I walked around and I saw that album cover with the birds on it and I thought that looked kind of cool and then I remembered oh Wilco 
that's the band that Nels Klein joined. And I bought that album. So that's why I bought it. That's sort of how I got into it. It was one of those bizarre things. I love the artwork too. The, the birds It's killer, yeah. That, cool. Those birds flying with the air. Yeah. And then the solo bird. Yeah, beautiful. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's um, yeah. So I, I, that's how I, I kind of got into um, into Wilco as well, through, sort of through Nels Klein and Jazz Masters and then just aimlessly walking around at JB Hi-Fi or whatever, or HMV, whatever it was back in those days. Yeah. Did it's any a, of you guys ever do that? Yeah, I, I reckon I did that. We had a local record store um, in Ingleburn owned, you know, by just a local businessman, Glenn Pashley, and I would just go there of an afternoon and chat away to him and I'd flick through the CDs or the cassettes and I'd go, oh, can I hear this one? And he would basically demo everything for me, <laughs> you know, That's and so I would cool. just go, boom, oh, oh put this one on now, put that one on, and then I'd walk out with three or four of them yeah. and go, oh, next up, put that one aside, I'll come get that one after next week's pay, you know, payday. So, yeah, definitely did that. And then there were the listening stations Listen, yeah, yeah. at uh, Utopia mm. and um, HMV that yeah. you'd just go up and go, oh, I want to listen to that. I think Red Eye as well had listening stations. And that yeah. was how you – that's how you bought music, right? Yeah. You'd get, but yeah, I, I would I would not even listen to it. I would just literally just randomly. And it's amazing how many good new acts I found through that. Yeah, <clears> wow. You just go and go, that's a cool album cover. Did you and get you Black Crows and Morica that way? Uh, no, I already <laughs> had that. <laughs> no, actually, a band I got into like that, um, Ween. Oh, oh, yeah. um, Chocolate and Cheese, the Chocolate and Cheese album, uh, uh, the cover. It was, yeah, it's similar sort of to the Black Crows album, mm. but I bought it. And uh, and what a cool cool band, Ween as well. But, I mean, that's a whole different ball game. Man, Did you ever do that kind of stuff, Matt? Just aimlessly buy stuff? Here's, well, no. Here's the thing. Um, I, I'd aimlessly borrow stuff. So, <laughs> okay. um, 2005, I started my music degree. Okay. And, um, and parented twins. So, you know, it was a big year. Very busy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, what am I talking about? Yeah. So at, at <laughs> where I was doing music, it was the University of Western Sydney had great CD collection oh. in the library. So oh, I yeah. I did the same thing, and and to force myself to listen to new stuff, yeah, and just to throw myself into new stuff. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd look through, I'd flick through, and interesting covers if I liked. The, the look of the and, and so many times it's yes. actually good when a yes. cover is good, yeah. yeah. And so when Rob was saying what he was up to in 2007, well, I was halfway through my music degree and I knew people were listening to Wilco, like the people with really cool musical taste that were listening to Radiohead and Wilco. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they were the big two names. So, yeah, yeah, definitely that, that's a fun way to, to find stuff. I do that with Spotify now. Like I'll oh, yeah. defend uh, as much as I hate, what they do as their business model, I I wouldn't have discovered half the bands in the last two, three years without it because I use it as my record store to demo stuff and then yeah. discover these new bands and it would be impossible to do this show without Spotify or something yeah, like that because yeah, who yeah, can yeah. get hold of all the CDs? YouTube. And yeah, well, <laughs> there is that. Yeah. But then... I go and buy if I like something and I really love it. I go buy the, buy it on vinyl or yeah. even CD. Yeah, you know, or I have done in the past just bought it off direct off their website with a digital download. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. to be able to facilitate that because you can't really go to a record store now and do what we did when we were younger. Mm. Um, it's almost Sadly impossible. No. I can't you keep gotta, going to the library either. <laughs> you get on a watch list. <laughs> Not this guy again. <laughs> so so okay so so Matt so uh, what were your thoughts on the album uh, listening to it? Oh, so probably one of your first times listening to Wilco. Yeah, and definitely my first time listening to a whole record. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I wrote that it was easy to listen to, but not easy listening. And okay, yeah. What I meant by that was it wasn't some bland middle of the road thing. I mean. Yeah, the songwriting was really direct and, and all the production was really earthy and direct. And I really enjoyed that as much as, you know, a couple of weeks ago I brought Aktung Baby along, which is like the absolute opposite of this yeah. record. Yeah. 
I don't know if I mentioned it before, but it's it's self-produced, so the band produced it as okay, well in yeah. the studio. Yeah. So I just love that that part of it. The the writing was great, very um, Beatle Beatlesque. I, I yeah. you mentioned the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Yeah, so just clever writing, to the point. You know, beautiful melodies and interesting interesting chord progression. Some really interesting guitars. I, I was waiting for Nels Klein to go bonkers, like I knew his some of his other other stuff. Yeah. And, and there's a little bit of that. Um, let's not get carried away. There's that, those really gnarly guitars and that nasty solo. That's kind of cool. There's one song where he's shredding. Where where is that? Well, the, 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 side, the main one's Impossible Side with Germany. the Seeds. Impossible yeah. Germany and Side with the Seeds, that are two, the two shreddy songs. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of fun. Man, the totally Ringo solo in Let's Not Get Carried Away. <laughs> it sounds like in the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, enjoyed that. Hate it here with the vintage, like, keys, those, those dirty roads, kind of distorted yeah, yeah, roads. Yeah. Man, I'm a sucker for any vintage keys, organs, EP, pianos, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, really, really beautiful album. I love how. Sorry, I was. I love how just with Nels Klein and, and the, the craziness. I just love the the first track, right? Um, first guitar solo you hear of Nels Klein on a on a, you know a Wilco album. Yeah, and it's all clean. Yeah, and all major beautiful little major it's just yeah it's just so not what you think of him but i just i actually really liked how that was the first track you know the, mm-hmm. the first track of the album and it's a major all clean guitar solo. <laughs> good times yeah 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 it's like hang on where's nels maybe yeah. maybe he didn't play on this song but of course he did um yeah. leave me like you like you found me um yeah. that's got some really beautiful interplay with uh, with all the guitar parts just sort of interweaving, I find that great because there's three guitar players in a band, and I mean they're all three they're quite capable guitar players, all three of them, um, and they do swap solos every once in a while, and there's a lot of harmony stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. I do really like how the they're quite different sounding um, guitars. You can tell they play different instruments and different amps. Um, but yeah, just I like the interplay between the guitars. It, it's so well done, I thought, for three guitar bands. Yeah, I really enjoyed too. Not not knowing too much about it, so I didn't know which guitar was which, who was doing what. Yeah, I'm yeah. the same. I was absolutely the same as you, Matt, as far yeah. as that goes. Yeah, so that's kind of a fun mystery when, when you're hearing new stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Eagles, you know. It's, yeah, who's doing what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except you can kind of tell Joe Walsh. He's a mm-hmm. bit more signature than the others, but yeah. Hey, I read a really good. We- I read a good Tweety quote. Um, okay, and I guess it was it was part of the the um, the folks of this record. And he said, "I got nervous about the technology of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. If yeah. you need a certain ample pedal to make a song what it is, it isn't a song." And I thought oh, he's he's almost wrong there, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think him and the Edge are from different worlds. They are another <laughs> callback to a previous episode. <laughs> no, but he, I, I, I believe the previous two albums, um, one of the guys that uh, I forgot what his name was, but he's a guitar player who um, produced some of the Sonic Youth stuff as well, and who was an unofficial member of Sonic Youth for a little while. Oh, and, um, uh, Jim, Jim Rock. Uh, uh, no, no. What was his name? Uh, I, 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 I got to look that up now. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I'll see if I can find it. But um, he 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 produced the prior, the prior two albums or co-produced with the band, and um, he's very layering, very using studio technology. Yeah, he's you know very much into. I think the way they, from what I saw, some of the interviews. Um, the previous two albums, Jeff Tweedy basically comes in with a with a, a like a folk song almost, uh-huh. and then he kind of twists it and turns it into this kind of alternative thing, where they kind of you know it, they almost use the studio to to produce and arrange the song, uh, and I think he wanted with this album, which they, and they've done that again since, but with that album at the time, the way he was and the way he felt at the time, he wanted to kind of get away from that. Okay. Um, 
uh, we're both looking, trying to find the, the name of the guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's Jim O'Rourke. Yeah, Jim O'Rourke. It is, yes. It is Jim O'Rourke. Matt, so he, you go to the head of the class. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's only three of us. It's just, you know, yeah, well, it's three <laughs> little desks. <laughs> um, yeah, so what about you, Rob? What about your, your, your experience of listening to this? Look, um, I listened to it a little bit last night, but then today I went down to Kingscliff um, by the water and uh, had it in my ears, um, out in the fresh air with a coffee in my hand. Oh, and sounds, come on, man. It You're was, killing me. I'm in lockdown. Was, yeah, I was wearing my mask. Okay, fair enough. Um, which reminds me, I got coffee all over it and I have to wash it. Um, yeah, and it was just the perfect setting for what was going on, what they were giving me. And I'll be honest and say uh, probably a year ago, I maybe more than a year ago, say two years ago, I probably wouldn't have got through a ho- this whole album. Okay. But recently like I've really gotten into that uh, alt country. I've gotten into Jason Isbell and um, Ariel Posen. Yeah. And they're more sort of chilled, layered, multi-guitar stuff, Blackberry Smoke, like all that sort of stuff. And the more the countryside of the Black Crows I've kind of been into as well. And it, it made – especially Jason Isbell and that sort of stuff made it a bit of a gateway for me to really just listen to this album with an open mind and not bring any of my preconceived so-called musical tastes or distastes (laughs) to the party. And, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I think lyrically um, everything was really clear and easy to understand and relate to and – it spoke to me, especially lyrics about housework, because we're all right there at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hate it here, yeah, that's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, um, just going through the album, because it's kind of how I... Again, I listened to it three or four times, uh, like these last three. They just sat with me for a couple of days. Um, Impossible Germany. Um, I thought the outro was great, and I just had this image of if Kiss had have come out of Oklahoma in the 90s, <laughs> that's that's what it would have sounded like because yeah. to me it was like the country version of Detroit Rock City. Okay, and yeah, like yeah. you've got that outro with the guitars being um, interplay and harmonised yeah, yeah. and it just, it kind of took me to there and that's kind of a strange place to go but it just immediately my imagination just went, <laughs> imagine like Kiss in you know, leather boots and um, <laughs> what flannelette shirts, Rhyme, with, rhinestone outfits, with, yeah. yeah, with S, <laughs> SGs and little class A single-ended amps, and yeah, and um, so yeah, that that was fun to imagine. Organically sourced um, coffee or something. <laughs> yeah, like hemp vests and yeah. um, uh, side with seeds. Yeah, that was as you mentioned, Matt. That was almost a shred fest. Yeah. At the end there, that was great. I uh, hate it here. Again, I, I mentioned the lyrics. Yeah, they just the grabbed me instantly. And then as the song builds into that complete tip of the hat to the Beatles, um, that vibe, you know, carried me right through the song. There's a tension in that lyrically um, of like when you understand where the, that lyric came from, he's just sort of waiting around for his ex to come back. Yeah. Um, but then you can hear the frustration of realizing that's not going to happen, and that's where the angst in the song comes from. Yeah. I yeah. just that was beautiful. That's how I heard it. Um, Walken, I'm I just an absolute sucker for that groove lately. That country groove, again, very Beatles vibe, and the later era Black Crows. Mm. The layered guitars with the slides and open tunings, like a lot of that. Funny enough, funnily enough, um, that that it'll come later. No mm. open tunings. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. It really sounds like there's drones going on, and yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was beautiful. Cool riffs in that too. Yeah, and let's not get carried away for similar reasons. Um, I'm also a sucker. Matt, you mentioned it. That drum solo. 
Yeah. That drum solo in Let's Not Get Carried Away. Well, it carried me away. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there's a couple of interviews with Nels Klein because he does all the kind of um, lap steel kind of slide guitar yeah. stuff. Oh, that's him. And, okay. Uh, and he uh, and in some of it he does also just um, on the on a normal guitar um, without slide, but just kind of with a volume pedal and stuff. But he was saying he never really played slide guitar before and lap steel st- stuff before. And when he start tried to work stuff out on a lap steel, he just was completely lost with the open tuning. So tunes them all to standard tuning. Oh wow! Just so he knows where where he is. Oh, that's so it's cool. All, it's all standard tuning um, stuff that he does. I love slide players that can do that. Um, you know. I mean, he's he's an he's an exceptional guitar player. So uh, to me, he's one of us. I have <laughs> I have a th- I have three guitarists. I call the Holy Trinity <laughs> of guitar yeah, players got- for me. So it's <clears throat> Nels Klein, Mark Rebo, and yeah. Bill Frizzell. They're my that's wow. my Holy Trinity. Who I think between those three, they're just the three absolute best ever for me personally well and now thanks to you i know two of those <laughs> <laughs> so who's rebo i don't know him mark rebo i'm nah. sure you have albums with him on it already he's uh, he was quite a big session dude in the in new york for like he played um he played a lot with elvis costello played a lot with uh, tom waits he's on pretty much since rain dogs on every tom waits album since the more kind of solo stuff of um of uh, um, Costello, he's a lot of on a lot of Elvis Costello albums. Well, that explains why I've never heard of him. He, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> I love Elvis Costello. Short so. answer to you to, to that question. No, and uh, T Bone Burnett, he's sort of one of the guys that does, does did a lot of stuff with T Bone Burnett. Yeah, and, um, true. Okay. He, he's Mark Rebo. We'll do. There will be a Mark Rebo album because he's he's probably my number one wow. out of the Holy Trinity. Yeah, he's at the top. And then Frizzell, I mean, oh well, yeah, it's hard to know. They're all they're equals. <laughs> yeah, I love Frizzell's um, Beatles. That's so good. Stuff. That's beautiful. It's like beautiful, and then it's like what? What just happened? And then he's back <laughs> on it. And, uh, every time great. I would get my guitars worked on by uh, Les Rankin when I lived in Sydney. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Les. He, Les um, is awesome. He would always he'd put Bill Frizzell on uh-huh. so in the background quite often because I'd almost spend the whole day. I'd take three or four guitars yeah. at a time and spend the whole day with Liz. Uh, it was one of the things I would really look forward to that, and one of the things I miss. But yeah, he introduced me to Bill Frizzell. Oh, Frizzell. He's a big fan. There will be there will be some Frizzell. Um, there will be one of each of us. So I mean, this album I picked mainly because it's I think one of the few. Um, Nels Klein albums that you could kind of call an iconic album because everything else is is very not mainstream and very very low key stuff. Mm. Not low key, but I mean it's it's not stuff that people would have heard. So this this is my Nels Klein album. So you, you're just easing us and the listeners into Gabor's world of chaos of absolute chaos. Yes, <laughs> cool yes. man. There will there will be some chaos. It's like um, it's like the it's like the boiling crab. In the saucepan, <laughs> just slowly, slowly but surely. Exactly. I'm, I'm offended by that sorry, analogy. Sorry, Rob, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the boiling broccoli. I have a good sense of humour too. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I mean, song-wise for me, uh, um, uh, I love either way. I love the, that, like I said, that, and it's it's Nels doing it. It's that... Um, Clean major major all in a major key guitar solo first song yeah. um, on the track. What's the first song called? I wrote down the names for everything except for the first song. I just uh, wrote either way one. or either way, either way. Oh, okay, yeah, and that's got yeah. the really sweet strings in it as well. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah lovely. It's yeah. it's a great song. Um, uh, you are my face. I mean, we'll get into all that stuff as well. Where he uses twelve string Jerry Jones guitar on that. Mm. Impossible Germany. So Impossible Germany was a song that that uh, Jeff Tweedy wrote. Uh, wanting to showcase Nels Klein as a guitar oh, okay. player, um, uh, and it's just great. The other uh, so um, Jeff Tweedy and Pat Sansone playing that sort of harmony melody part all the way through. Actually, so it's interesting that because they swap who does what. Um, so oh, really? kind of okay. melod- melodic kind of lead parts in the first verse is Pat um, Nels plays these sort of um, eighth note chords in the background. Uh-huh. Um, and and Jeff Tweedy does a more kind of strumming straight chords thing, 
so almost acoustic guitar, but an electric guitar. And then in the second verse, it kind of swaps where Nels does the kind of intricate sort of chords that are kind of melodic chords behind uh, everything. So they keep swapping who does what. Mm-hmm. But then it's the big sort of show of solo bit. And it's interesting, actually, and you can sort of see if you watch a couple of live clips of Impossible Germany, you can really see that Nels comes from an improvisational background because they're all so different. Uh-huh. It starts off kind of the same, and then there's bits, I guess, that go into certain melodic bits so the other guys know when to go to the next part. Um, but it's to- everything, he just totally improvises in very, very different vibe solos if you listen to a bunch of different live songs. Um, same with Side With The Seeds. Um, it's got a, kind of one of his shred kind of songs. Um, the title track, Sky Blue Sky, um, it's another one I really, really like. And just so, I think, just such a beautiful lyrical song and, and really puts you in a place. Um, and it's a song that, that um, Jeff Tweedy wrote um, when he was a fair bit younger, many, many, many years ago, he was saying in the interview. He was driving back home to his hometown, which is a, a small, very small town outside of Chicago. And the, his hometown has this big, long main road that basically divides it into, I don't know, east and west, north and south, whatever it is. But it's, it's a big main road that completely divides the entire town. And he came back from, it's a really long car trip. And he got to, he could see his house, <laughs> but he was on the other side of Main Street and there was a parade on. Uh, and you just had to wait because you can't get through. There's no way to get around, basically, mm-hmm. unless you do like really long round trip. And so the whole the whole um, song is about him sitting in a car waiting. There's a parade, and you can hear these songs, and he kind of it just sound familiar, but he can't can't play, quite place what those songs are that the brass band plays. And it's really hot, but it's raining, so you got to have the window open and the rain comes in. It sets to me. It sets. It's such a visual song, like when you listen to the words. Um, and again, just it's such a feel-good song. Like mm. you know, I'm usually into kind of dark music with you know lots of tritones and stuff like that. And this is just pretty and happy, and it's just I don't know. I don't know why I like it so much. And then I mean, there's tons of other songs, like you guys were saying. Um, should we? Uh, have a little word from our uh, sponsors sure and then come back and talk about gear because that's a whole podcast on its own (laughs) (laughs) this episode is brought to you by fretboard biology the comprehensive online guitar course put together by joe elliott ex-head of guitar at the guitar institute of technology and the mcnally smith college of music I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cop. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. Alright, Iconic Albums number 15, we're looking at Wilco's Sky Blue Sky record, Gabor, we're going to talk about gear. All right, now strap yourselves in, folks. Um, no, well, um, Jeff Tweedy, uh, uh, apparently from uh, a lot of interviews you hear, and if you, again, if you go and check out the Wilco Loft um, Instagram thing, the gear is insane They have a place, and apparently he's a massive collector of guitars and amps and everything. So to know exactly what they used on the album is not that easy to work out. There isn't really any information on it. It's their own studio that did it where, you know, in their own bit. Sure. I'm just sort of going by what I, you know, read in interviews and stuff like that. So the easiest guy pretty much is Pat, Pat Sansone because he pretty much plays a couple of Telecasters and he uses Reeves amps. Now, I don't, I know very little about Reeves amps, but um, that's pretty much all he uses. Uh, and he has a fairly small pedal board with uh, like a couple of delays, and he uses a hot cake mainly for distortion. Um, but yeah, he's the easy guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, you were not, I've never really heard of Reeves amps before. I've heard of um, them. I don't really know anything of them, though. Do, do you, Rob? No, do you like, I don't know no? much about them. I see, uh, yeah, just. See them pop up every now and again. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I don't so, know anything about them. I know very little. It kind of looks like a 
it looked to me like a matchless, but then you look closer and it it's Reeves. Anyway. And so, what else does he play in the band? So, so he, he plays he's the multi instrumentalist. He's right? a multi instrumentalist. So they have it's quite a big band. They have uh, so they have a drummer, they have a guy who plays keys and piano full time. Mm-hmm. But then him, Pat Sansone, plays keyboards. Um, so the other guys are more the traditional, like, piano, organ kind of sounds. Mm-hmm. And Pat is the more keyboard sounds. And he plays a... Um, I've seen a lot of live clips where he has one of the new Mellotrons, like the newer version of the Mellotron. Okay. And sort of, you know, he does more the string sounds and kind of more keyboardy sort of sounds. Um, but then he also plays acoustic guitar and then he also plays electric guitar. So he's sort of the guy, whatever, I guess it's such a, there's so much going on in the band already. So he just, whatever fits and works, he kind of does. Yeah. Right. Nice. Um, so now moving on to Jeff Tweedy. Now, um, in all the videos from that era, he seems to be mainly playing a Gibson Barney Kessel, um, which is the signature model that. Barney Kessel never liked and only briefly endorsed. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of stories about it that there were a couple of different versions of it and there was one promo photo shoot Barney Kessel did with the Gibson Barney Kessel signature, but he never liked it, never played it, and then it kind of went away. But it's become a bit of a signature, um, not signature, like sought after uh, guitar because it's kind of like a big body 335, uh-huh. but like deeper body. With those kind of SG style cutaway, like pointy horns. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's big hollow box, isn't it? Big, like big, yeah, like like yeah. So it's it's like a like a proper jazz guitar. Yeah. I, I guess he was a jazz player. Um, but yeah, it's 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 become quite a sought after guitar, and a lot of people seem to use it. And he's Jeff Tweedy in most of the clips you see from that era. He seems to either be using that guitar or. A, it looks almost like a Les Paul studio, like a cheap, cheaper one of the cheaper Les Pauls, but okay. with a Bigsby on it. Yeah, a black hmm. Les Paul, like a no binding. Yeah, all black with a Bigsby on it. So that seems to be the two guitars he plays a lot around that era. <clears throat> he later on, um, a little bit later on, not a lot later on, but a little bit later on, had a signature SG with um, Gibson. Okay. And he plays a lot of uh, kind of old, um, really old, beaten up looking acoustic guitars. So I think old Silvertones and old Martins and old Gibsons. A lot of them with intricate designs on it, um, like old from the 50s and stuff like that. And he at one stage also had a small body Martin signature guitar down a little bit down the track. But so in those days, it seems like most of the stuff you see, it's, um, it's mostly Gibson that Jeff Tweedy plays. And it's, yeah, either that Barney Kessel, uh, that black, black Les Paul with a Bigsby, and uh, an old Gibson acoustic as well. You see a lot um, in playing um, a lot of stuff. He is mainly a Vox and Vox-style amp user. Yeah, nice. Um, and then later on, he used Morgan amps a lot as well, which is kind of Vox-style amps again. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, – and, and, I mean, he's quite a capable player, as well. Before Nels, he was kind of a lead guitarist in the band. Mm-hmm. They had other lead guitarists, quick stints of other lead guitarists in it, but he was sort of really the main, the one main guitarist, Jeff Tweedy, prior to Nels Klein arriving. Uh, now let's get to Nels Klein, because this is when it gets interesting. Now there's a really, really cool uh, rig rundown, rundown, premier guitar rig rundown with, with Nels, which is quite a long rig rundown, but he goes through a whole bunch of his guitars, um, that he used back in those days as well. You see clips with him using him. Um, he's a he's mainly known as jazz master guy, and his main guitar is a black uh, 1959, 1960 um, jazz master called Watt, and he bought it off or uh, kind of got given or bought it off uh, Mike Watt, bass player Mike Watt. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. But he was quite big in a punk movement, um, Mike Watt, as a bass player. He played in a band called uh, The Minutemen that were quite big at one stage. He also briefly, uh, well, for about 10 years, played bass in the Stooges. Yeah, wow. So he was just sort of like in the punk world, he was quite um, quite well known as a you know bass player. Um, and he played, uh, Nels Klein played in bands with Mike Watt before and he played a lot of uh, uh, 
well, he, I think he originally played some Strats and Gibsons and then he got into uh, Jaguar, um, Fender Jaguars, but they were a bit thin sounding and then Mike Watt gave him, said, try this Jazzmaster and then that sort of became his voice and now he's sort of known as the Jazzmaster guy. Um, uh, so on the album, I think he used that Jazzmaster a lot because that's his main guitar. Uh, but he also does a bunch of uh, songs you can kind of hear thinner guitar sounds where it, he has a couple of early 60s um, Jaguars and in live clips he used the Jaguars for that those sort of sounds. Um, uh, he also, uh, on a side note, he was somewhat involved in the whole mastery bridge and vibrato thing. So the guy, Woody, Wood, whatever his name is, Woody something or other, the guy who makes Mastery Bridge and uh, Vibratos, um, he, they kind of got involved together and he did a lot of uh, tech work for him and like repair work for him. And then they, I think they kind of started making the Mastery Bridge and Mastery Vibrato and he was sort of involved in that as well, just oh, as ooh, a side note. That's yeah, cool. That's great. Yeah. That's sort of become um, a big deal in Jazz Master world, hasn't it? They, they are, I mean, they are by far the best. Some might say they're game changers. <laughs> they a are buzzword. Little, well, I mean, for the original, I mean, again, side note, for the original um, uh, uh, bridges to work on jazz masters, you need heavier strings. And I mean, the idea with jazz masters was they were meant for jazz players. Yeah. And in the 50s and stuff, the, guitar, the strings that came with them were heavy flat wound strings. Sure. That's the strings that yeah. were put on it. And also uh, shimming the neck and changing the ne neck angle so you raise the bridge more so there's more downforce. Because a lot of, especially when, when you strum harder, it's the the, the string kind of falling off the bridge, the okay. saddle. Um, so yeah, uh, the Master of Bridge came first and then he developed a Master of Vibrato, which I think is by far, it surpasses anything Fender's ever made. It's mm -hmm. The feel is just so much better. It's not cheap, but they're really, really good. So if you're into offset guitars, I reckon, I, I, I recommend... Gabor recommends Mastery. I'm not involved with them. Sadly, they don't give me stuff. But um, I have a lot of their stuff on my Jazz Masters, and they are the best. So um, now we need a little jingle for Gabor Recommends. Gabor Recommends. Gabor Fun recommends. Facts. <laughs> Gabor <Rodin's> Recommends. <laughs> yeah. Matt's mind is working already. Um. So he also uh, is a big fan of Jerry Jones guitars. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Jerry Jones. Yeah, so Jerry absolutely. Jones is basically a guy out of Nashville. He, he's retired since or may have even passed away. I'm not sure. But um, he stopped making Jerry, guitar, Jerry Jones guitars. But before the whole Dan Electro revival and things like Eastwood guitars that brought a lot of that stuff back, he he kind of handmade and cut like kind of slightly better quality versions of a lot of the old Dan Electric guitars. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and he sort of brought that kind of back and uh, Nell started collecting Jerry Jones guitars um, and has a, a whole bunch of different ones. There's again, if you watch the rig rundown, he has some interesting quirky guitars. Um, and, but I think for this album, whenever you hear 12 string electric um, he uses he has a Jerry Jones twelve string electric that he uses um, in what was the song um, 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 you are my face um, there's a um, electric a electric twelve string guitar in it and that's Nels I'm pretty sure on the Jerry Jones because okay. live clips he always plays that Jerry Jones for that song and he does the twelve string parts such a cool sound man yeah it is it absolutely is um, um, yeah, so, uh, and he also, and this is where it gets difficult. He he has always, he's, he's said in lots of interviews, whenever he, he toured a lot with different acts, um, he played guitar for different, uh, like uh, the Jolene Fibbers, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that. That was sort of one of the slightly bigger bands that he toured with. Anyway, he, he did a lot of work with a lot of different people and did a lot of touring and did this thing where he always used to go and find junk shop guitars and he called them junk shop guitars. So he'd go to, you know, pawnbrokers and junk shops and buy crappy cheap guitars. And live, he can't, they're not no good for live use, but in a studio, they give him unique sounds and he uses them a lot for lots of different stuff. So he has quite a lot of collection, large collection of what he calls junk shop guitars. Um, so yeah, that's his guitars anyway. Um, not 100% sure. He uses he has a couple of old lap steel guitar, guitars as well, which again, like I said, he tunes to standard tuning because he never really played lap steel or he wasn't really 
comfortable on lap steel, so he decided to tune to standard tuning, so at least he knows where the notes are. Um, now, amp-wise, uh, again, not 100% sure what he used on the recordings because he, they could they had access to so much stuff there. Um, but in a lot of the live clips from the just after the album was released, he used uh, one of the JTM 40, Marshall JTM 45 offset reissues. So they're the ones where the, the, you've got the, the head and the, the knobs are sort of to the side, they're not in the middle. Like what Friedman Amps does now, where it's oh, sort of, okay. you know, that that you don't have the knobs in the center, that's sort of off to the side, um, with a matching cabinet. Um, and he, he seems to have used that in a lot of the early videos after the album was released that I've seen. That seems to be in it. A uh, little later on, but still for the for this album when he started touring for this album, he used a Schroeder. Amp. Now Schroeder, he's a guy from um, Chicago, a little bit like here in, I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but there's Tim Guitars in Brisbane, yeah. TYM Tim, yep. who's sort of a bit of an overachiever um, and a bit of a local legend. And apparently this guy, Tim Schroeder, is um, similar. So he has a music shop and he builds a whole bunch of stuff and he built these amps, uh, which are KT88-based amps. Um, and he came to the Wilco Loft and brought a bunch of these amps along. Uh, and actually, the bass player has been using Schroeder bass amps ever since then as well. But there's a quote. He said, Tim Schroeder bought, bought one of his amps to the Wilco Loft one day, and I played on his, it was 30 or 40 watts. I played the amp. It absolutely blew my mind. Uh, I'm always looking for low mids, a rich sound. It was an amazing sounding amp. And he started using it then. And he had one basically custom made for him, which is a red Amp and he had a, 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 I don't know if it's still available, but he had for a limited edition signature uh, head that you could buy uh, from Schroeder, which was the Nails Clan signature DB7 and DB9 later on as well. But that's later on. I think on the album it was mostly that offset JTM 45 head with a matching cabinet, and the cabinet he kept using with that Schroeder amp because he said it's the best sounding cabinet he's ever heard. The because I think there's special speakers they put into that as well. That's a limited run of speakers, I think, that were done, possibly Celestian. Um, but they're very hard to come by. And I think in that rig rundown, I think it was in a rig rundown, he, he mentioned that he blew one of the speakers or something like that. And it was really hard to find a matching speaker because they they were only made for those speaker boxes, which was a limited Marshall run, yeah. I believe. Um, hey, when you mentioned the Schroeder, that's yep. um, the KT88. Weren't some of the early Marshalls KT88s? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So similar. I think that, and I think uh, the the Sun Model T stuff that was KT88s too, which is that oh, ridiculously okay. loud and it doesn't just doesn't break up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super high. Um, uh, like the, what is that Marshall? The the um, not the uh, major. Uh, Major, Marshall Major, that's the one. Yeah, I think that at KD88s. And it it has ridiculous volume, but it just doesn't break up. It just stays clean all the time. Blackmore, It man. just gets that sort of, those harmonics, like overtones and harmonics. Yeah. That'd be a cool yeah. mix with um, Tweety's um, Vox-style things too. Well, that's what I mean, yeah. So I think the three, I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure about Reeves amps, but I think they have sort of their own space Um by using different guitars and so you, you know you have the telly the kind of thin telly on one side you have the the Gibson humbucker guitar yeah. with Jeff Tweedy's through the Vox and then you have the the Jazzmaster and whatever yeah he plays at the time coming out of nails and it works really well uh, I think it 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 seems to kind of blend really really well now lastly um, the biggest thing with Nels Klein. So Nels Klein is known as an effects guy. Yeah, I mean, he is, yeah. uh, you know, one of the great effects kind of players out there. Uh, now, again, it's sort of hard to know what he used for this particular, these particular recordings because he's one of those guys, actually, if you watch some um, uh, of the shows they do on like shows like Letterman and, 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 um, and Conan and stuff, he doesn't actually often bring the whole humongous pedal board in. He just brings in a couple of small pedals that mm -hmm. suit the particular song. Right. So yeah. you're not, never quite know what he may or may not have used. 
But he's been a long-time user of the Concenter, and there's lots of interviews where he goes, I can't believe people pay this stupid amount of money on it. <laughs> I bought mine for 100 bucks secondhand yeah, or something yeah. like that. And he has a couple of them. Um, also, Digitec Whammy Pedal, he's been a long-term user of that and does some really interesting stuff mm. with it. Uh, the Zivex Fuzz Factory, um, from very early days, I think he was one of the very early users of it. Just, he, uh, I think he said in a lot of interviews, it's a pedal that can give you beautiful fuzz sounds and absolute chaos all within just <laughs> a couple of um, knob tweaks. Um, also, one of his favorite modulation effects is the uh, one of the original Boss VB2 vibratos because he likes things wiggly. That's the thing. Again, I think <laughs> it came from the rig rundown. He likes wiggly things. Um, but, I mean, he's used just about every pedal under the sun. Um, uh, uh, Crather Hotcake, again, also he uses that a lot. Uh, which is a killer pedal, uh, rat or rat style pedals. Um, uh, delays, he loves uh, just a deep Boss DD3. That's one of his favorite delay pedals. But then one of the things he's really known for, and you can hear on some of the songs, and if you watch it live, like sometimes I think the bits, you may think the keyboards play those bits, but when you watch it live, he um, uses one of the old original um uh, electroharmonic 16 second delays. Oh, okay. Yep. And yep. I think he got into that through Bill Frizzell. Yeah, right. Because I think they were friends yep. or are friends. And um, what's different to, with the original ones to reissues is it always records. Uh-huh. So you don't have to play, you don't have to press record and then it records, like as, using it as a looper kind of thing, because that's sort of what a lot of people use it for. Because yeah. you have six, 16 seconds of looping time, basically. That's nowhere well, near enough. No, yeah, well. But, I, need, so, I, need, I need minutes. That's weak. That's weak. <laughs> um, no, so this was, I mean, this is in the early days of looping, right? Yeah. But uh, so because it always records, what he does is he plays and then something that he played, he goes, oh, this could sound interesting. And he presses the button and it plays back the loop of what he kind of just played. And he sets it to sort of random length. So he it's kind of... Uh, it's not precise, but he kind of uses it as an instrument. And then he will reverse it or half speed it or double speed it uh, and layer stuff on top of it. And it gives you these kind of strange out of time sometimes, or mostly out of time, uh, kind of strange sounds, soundscapes that sort of sit in the background uh, often to the playing. And I, before I sort of saw some live clips, I always wondered whether it was the keyboards doing it, but it's actually him doing it with that. And then from that, he has a little table next to him, right? So where he can use stuff, do stuff with his hands. So he has the the, the sixteen second delay there, which he manipulates with his hand next to okay. it, on the yep. table next to him. And then next to it, he has a core chaos pad, uh, okay. which he uses for delays and stuff. And he does it again with his with his hands. Uh, and he has a bunch of effects. And then he also uses um, he has uh, this big um, spring, like a really big spring. And he uses that as a bow on the guitar and scrapes it to make different sounds. So he has this kind of table next to him where he has all these kind of weird things that he picks up uh, to make weird noises and then loops them and that's sort of his looping station. That's cool. So that's pretty cool. That's if, if you, there are quite a lot of videos on YouTube of him doing that kind of stuff uh-huh. and it's quite, quite interesting watching him doing it because he's really good at it. And then there's also Bill Frizzell that has similar videos using the 16-second delay and then later on the line six, um, the the green line six um, delay, the DL4 with the looper function on it as well. And he's amazing at at the stuff he does with it. Um, Both of them are. And then, yeah, too many effects to name. So, uh, um, yeah, that's that's, that's my uh, gear. I don't know if – are there any Rob's facts? No, like to show my complete ignorance of Wilco, I only really (laughs) looked up Jeff Tweedy's gear. Oh. so that kind of worked in my favour because you didn't really get into Tweedy's gear. But um, on his pedal board at this time, um, the EHX Holy Grail, which apparently he keeps coming back to, that's a mainstay on his board. Yeah. Uh, the I Muga think Pat Sansone has got that as well, actually. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Muga Fuga Analog Delay. He's that's an expensive delay. Yep. Um, and speaking of expensive, 
The Love Tone Big Cheese is a mainstay on Tweety's board as wow. well. Yeah. And the Prunes and Custard. So another NZ shout out because you said um, one of the other boys the cakes, were using yeah. hotcakes. So, yeah, he uses the Prunes and Custard. And side note, you did mention the Clon Centaur. Um, heads up for anyone who's got a KTR, if you haven't sold it in the next week, um, there's an announcement coming from Bill Finnegan. Tuesday. Yes, and it may see new runs of the KTR, which means that those few people who have them for $1,000 and $1,200 on reverb at the moment, yeah. <laughs> mm, it's going to be too late by the time people hear this, but if you paid $1,000 to $1,200 for a KTR, I think you might regret that in the coming I should, weeks I or should months. try and sell mine really quickly now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but if here's yeah, no, thing. I'm holding on to it. In three years, they're going to say the original KTRs were heaps better. Yeah, 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 yeah. So well, they'll go mine, back up. Mine's the first run, oh, which yeah. were the J-Rads. Yes. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, so, and then I don't know who, who did the second run. Don't know, but apparently he wasn't happy He wasn't happy with the first run. He um, wasn't happy with J-Rad at all. No, no. Nah. Um, so, I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. I'm happy. I love mine. It's great, yeah. It's 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 a great pedal. Your problem yeah. is like you want to use it as a musical piece of equipment. That's, that's not- a so wrong, Rob. You don't do that. You <laughs> at just the moment, it somewhere. It's, at the moment, it's it's got a security device. It's wrapped in black electric tape, so no one knows what it is. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> someone told me um, that people have been eyeing them off on guitarist pedal boards, so I've just I've just given it away for anyone. Oh, yeah, they get stolen now. But it's it's actually in the loop. In my um, looper now that and it's boosting my lead channel, so okay. it's a lead boost. So I've used it as an overdrive, a clean boost, a distortion, and now I'm using it as a lead boost in the loop, the effects loop of the amp. Nice, uh, and it works really good. Um, right. So fun facts. Are we ready? With Rob. this one is not like this is just fun and silly but i'm sure everyone knows it the band's named after the military radio acronym um wilco which is for will comply um which frontman tweedy admitted the name is fairly ironic for a rock band yeah (laughs) will comply yeah probably not um when tweedy's 12 he gets in a motor motorcycle accident and his right leg is impaled by a steel bar from an unfinished drainage pipe. Uh, In a 2013 interview with Chicago Magazine, he claims he still has no feeling in his right thigh as a result of the crash. But that's when he started to learn to play guitar. He teaches himself while recovering from that injury. Um, In a 2007 interview, the band are labelled Dad Rock. Yeah. Um, hey, and, I'm a dad. I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to yeah. listen to dad. Right? So that was pretty much the birth of that term. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and in 2014, Tweedy revealed that he first found it unflattering and hurtful, but then later changed his tune in, in a Men's Health magazine interview because Jeff Tweedy is just a picture of Men's Health, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. We're all. I'm carrying some COVID kilos myself, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Recently had a revelation about that and he said when people say dad rock, they actually just mean rock. Yeah. Um, so he goes on to say he doesn't find anything undignified about being a dad or rocking. So Amen. he's on the money there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and a fun fact about uh, the, f- the clip for Dawned on Me, the original cartoonists of the Popeye cartoon they came out of retirement <laughs> after 30 years to, oh, hand wow. draw, to hand draw it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. And my final fun fact for okay. this evening, this morning or this afternoon, depending on how you're listening That's right. yeah, yeah, or yeah. where or when, um, the drummer, Kochki, is it? Yeah. Koch. Glenn, he's Glenn, act- Glenn Kochki, I think. Yeah, he is a classical composer and has released four solo classical albums. Wow. Yeah, he's a little bit. He plays. He plays like um, Stuart Copeland as well. He plays a lot of um, um, uh, uh, what do you call him? Like marimba style stuff and instruments uh, that like with notes next to him on the drums. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but I thought that was interesting for yeah. someone in this band 
playing this style of music to have that departure and a side project. It was really cool. Yeah, it's it's a funny band though. If you listen to a lot of the other albums, they don't sound anything like this. So this is this is a different album. I mean, a little bit of that sort of folky countryness is always there, but much less than this. This is way more folky country than any of the other stuff. Well, I liked it, and I want to thank you for bringing it to my oh, attention. You're welcome. I just think it's a it's a it's a really nice, happy, just really pretty album. Hmm. And it makes me happy listening to it. That's all, yeah. Beautiful. After listening to gloomy music, I put that on and then I go, yes, I'm happy again. No, I don't think uh, people are going to struggle to work you out, mate, because oh. you've had like Chili Peppers, <laughs> Primus, yeah. um, St. Vincent um, yeah. and Wilco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the police. Wait, wait another three weeks. <laughs> You'll be surprised that you're here then. Oh, and the police, of course. I forgot and the police. The police. Yeah. I'm all over the place. That's the thing. I'm. I. I. I literally listen to just about anything. Um, yeah, anything and nothing, everything and nothing. I oh, reckon. I reckon you guys are, are such great co-hosts because I think like we've all got big ears and um, you guys can appreciate. Stuff. Literally, I have big ears. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> I got I got big lobes. I can't see them on there, but you know, outstanding. So yeah, it's cool, man. I, I love I love that you bring different stuff in. It's great. Well, I reckon that wraps up uh, Conic Albums number fifteen. That's why damn. mine always the longest. <laughs> All right, hey, great album, Gabor. Thanks heaps as well. No worries, thank you. Uh, glad you guys liked it. Yeah, thanks, man. Definitely. Gabor, where can we hear more of you talking about stuff? Well, if you really, really want to hear me talk even more, we do. Um, <laughs> then uh, you can go uh, on to YouTube and uh, write lots of words with no gaps in between it. Uh, and the words are super fun, awesome, happy, time, pedal, and show. Without link. the end, just pedal show. Link in the show and notes. Link. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes, and that's where you can find me and uh, sometimes me on my own and sometimes me with Alex, my friend Alex, and we review pedals and uh, actually plugins as well. Should mention plugins oh. and uh, amps and guitars and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, super fun, awesome, happy time pedal show. That's me. Cool. Thanks, Gabor. And Rob? Well, my main gig living in the 70s is grounded at the moment like everybody else. Uh but so you can just find me, Rob Rhodes Music, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Awesome, man. And you are killing it in the lockdown gig from home scene. You I've, are. I have been very lucky. I've got some corporate friends that, um, yeah, I've been doing some Friday afternoon get-togethers online and doing live streams and interactive shows. And, uh, yeah, we've got to do something, otherwise – the chops go to waste. My voice grows cobwebs, and uh, <laughs> I start to become and feel irrelevant. Well, you are smashing it, man. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> All right, fellas. Hey, thanks so much. It's always heaps of fun. Catch you next week. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Gabor. All right, there we go. Another iconic albums and there are plenty more to come. So stay tuned. In fact, stay subscribed if you haven't yet. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you pod. And of course, our one-on-one interviews continue as well. Next week, we've got the amazing Taka from the Japanese post-rock band Mono. That's a super cool interview. You're going to love that. So subscribe to the show. Hey, my thanks to Rob and Gabor for joining me again. And my thanks to Fretboard Biology, who have been excellent sponsors for quite a while now. Please check out the links in the show notes. All right, my name's Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. And in the words of the shredding genius Michael Schenker, Keep rocking, keep on rocking. Keep on rocking, indeed. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>